0: For tuning in, my name is Frankie Mazapika. The title of my message is Can You See Me Now? I'll tell you where I'm getting this. It's in John chapter 9. Jesus was walking down the road with his disciples, and he looked on the side of the road and he saw a blind man, and then he walked over to him. When I read this passage earlier this week, I smiled when I read those words. He saw him and he walked over to him. Uh, The reason why I smiled is I have a friend of mine. His name is Chris. He lives in England now, but he, he lived here in Texas about 10 years ago. He was an experienced motorcycle rider. He had been riding a motorcycle since he was a kid. And so, uh, he went and rented a Harley Davidson so that he could ride his wife around Texas for a week. Well, while he was riding, even though he was an experienced rider, he could not prepare for the drunk driver that was coming at him in the in the op- opposite lane. So the drunk driver came towards him and crashed into the side of the motorcycle, completely smashing his left leg and his wife's left leg. So they had to amputate both legs and... They were in a wheelchair for several months waiting for their prosthetic leg. What he told me while he was in the wheelchair, I will never forget. He looked at me and he said, Frankie, people are uncomfortable with making eye contact with people who are in a wheelchair. He goes, it's it's a weird feeling to have people look around you or through you, but not make eye contact with you. He goes, I'm not taking it personal. I understand they're just uncomfortable with looking at me, with making eye contact with me. What I love about Jesus is that he is not uncomfortable with people who have a handicap. He's not uncomfortable with people who have a problem. In fact, he's drawn to them. It's, it's an interesting thing that when there's someone who's a handicapped or who has problems on the side of the road, most people look over them or around them or just continue to look forward. But Jesus looks over at him and walks over to him. Jesus loves everyone. If your heart is beating right now, he loves you. But he made sure that there were a few verses in the Bible that was specifically for people who were broken. In Psalms chapter 34, verse 18, it says this, I am close to the brokenhearted, and I save those with a crushed spirit. In Psalms 56, verse 8, he says, I track all of your sorrows and I catch every tear in a bottle and record each one in a book. He is drawn to people with problems. He is drawn to people with a handicap. I want to say this. uh, The common denominator in this sanctuary is we all have a problem that nobody else knows anything about. That's what we all have in common. Some of us have a problem that you brought on to yourself. Others have a problem that you didn't bring on to yourself. Somebody inflicted you with the problem. They brought the problem to you. Regardless of how the problem came into your world, I want you to know that the Lord is drawn to you. He's drawn to you because he knows that you need him. And it brings him joy to step into your life and to begin to reshape everything. It brings him joy to do that. So he comes across the street. He sees the blind man on the side of the road and he does something very interesting. He spits into the ground and starts making mud. Now, when I read the scriptures, I don't try to read a whole bunch. I just try to fully understand a little bit at a time. And so when I read the passage, I thought to myself, how much spit do you need to make mud? Right? I've, I have spit many times, as you have as well. And it's like a little round, little round circle of mud. How much spit do you need? That's where my mind went. Nevertheless, he starts spitting into the ground. Now, let's step into the world of the disciples. They have seen Jesus do hundreds, even thousands of miracles. The last verse in the book of John is John chapter 21, verse 25. And it reads like this. And Jesus did many more things than these. Surely, if we would have written them all down, I suppose the entire earth could not contain the books that would be written. So they have seen him do Thousands of miracles. Everywhere Jesus went, he was doing a miracle for someone. He is drawn to people who are in need. But all of a sudden, he starts spitting. So you know, you know that the disciples were backing up saying, Why are you spitting? You don't need spit. You just think it. You touch them. You smile at them. You think, what are you doing? (gasps) Are you with me? Say yes. Come on, let me hear you. If you're with me, say yes. Why are you spitting? Now, if somebody walks up to a person who's blind and starts spitting in the ground, do you think that that's going to draw some attention? Yes. I mean, people are coming up. So I think, I think, just give me some poetic liberty here. I think the disciples first were thinking, what are you doing? And then I think they were thinking, hurry up and do whatever you're doing. This is getting embarrassing. This is becoming awkward. See, here's the thing about Jesus. He promises to bless us, but he does not promise to tell us when or how. He doesn't promise that. He promises to bless us if we pursue him. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it says, We cannot please God without faith. For anyone who comes to him must believe two things. Number one, that he exists. Number two, that he will reward people who passionately pursue him. So he promises to reward us if we pursue him, but he does not promise when and he does not promise how. In 2017, um, I became spiritually frustrated because I was reading all of these passages in the Bible of people who were experiencing the tangible presence of God. And I had heard so many other testimonies of people who experienced the tangible presence of God, like almost like you experience wind, right? So all of us experience oxygen and air, but when you feel the air come blowing at you, that's a different experience. And so I started telling the Lord, other people have felt your presence, Other people have felt your tangible presence. Romans chapter 2 verse 11, as if he doesn't know the scripture, I would say, God, you do not have any favorites. I am going to pray to you every day with passion. I'm going to pray to you every day longer than I've ever prayed in my life because I want to feel your presence Weeks went by, months went by, and I would tell the Lord, I am not giving up. I am not giving up. In Psalms chapter five, verse three, the psalmist says this, every morning I wake up, I'll be back at it again, laying the pieces of my life on your altar, waiting for the fire to fall. And so I told the Lord that, I said, every morning I wake up, I'll be back at it again. I don't want my relationship with you to be purely cognitive and only with my faith. I want to experience it. Other people have, I want to as well. After weeks, after months, even over a year of praying for this, I went to sleep one night and as I was sleeping, I don't know if it was a dream. I don't know if it was a vision. I don't know what it was. I, I, I relate to the words that Paul said. I, I, I was, I was not in my, I don't know if I was in my body or out of my body, but I saw Jesus. I was, I was in his presence and I was crying while I was in his presence because I had never, ever, ever felt love like that in my entire life. The love was so real and so thick that it was more real than anything I had ever felt. It was more real than wind. And here's the other part of it. I knew, as I was before him, that his love had no end. I couldn't put it into words at the time and I can't put it into words now. But the scripture in Colossians chapter 1 verse 17 helps me understand or helps me put into words what I experienced. In Colossians 1:17 it says that he was before all things. Everything that was ever created, he was present before it was created. But all things are held together within him. Within him. So the same way your bones and your, your, um, your heart and your lungs are within you, everything that has ever been created is within him. So the whole Milky Way exists. Within him. Every single galaxy, all 100 billion, and they think there's actually more than that, is within him. His presence has no end. There's nothing that that exists outside of his presence. And so when you think about how big he is, how vast he is, then we understand Ephesians chapter 3 verse 18. I wish you knew How far and how wide and how deep and how high his love is. These are the things that's like, oh my goodness, that morning or that evening, my life changed forever. But it didn't happen the way I thought it was going to happen. It didn't happen when I thought it was going to happen. It didn't happen how I thought it was going to happen. I say all that to say this, whatever your prayer request is, whether it's financial, whether it's in your marriage, in your family, I want you to stay steady on pursuing him. You don't know how he's going to answer your prayer. You don't know when he's going to answer your prayer. But rest assured, he has promised to reward you if you continue to pursue him. Do you receive that today? Come on. He promised. And so he wipes the mud all over the guy's face. And then he says something very interesting. He says, okay, go wash yourself at the pool. Go wash yourself. Now, it's interesting because if the man would have said, you put this mud on my face. I didn't put this mud on my face. You're asking me to clean up something that I didn't even do. Have you ever been there before? This—I I didn't cause this problem. She caught—he co- caught. Co- Are you with me? I didn't do this to me. I'm—I'm I'm the victim here. He tells the man who is already blind to go to a pool. If he wasn't blind before, the mud is causing a major problem. He says, "Go to the pool." So he's having to feel his way to the pool. I don't know about you, but I know what that feels like to go and pray and close my eyes and feel my way to where God is telling me to go. I don't know. Do you want me to go left? Do you want me to go right? Do you want me to keep my mouth shut? Do you want me to open my mouth? We feel our way towards his presence, towards his will. So he goes, go to the pool and wash your eyes. See, a lot of times people believe this lie. It's a huge lie. It sounds something like this. If God wants me to have it, I'll have it. If he doesn't want me to have it, I won't have it. That's a lie. It's a huge lie. Because God may want something for you and have every desire to give it to you, but your act of obedience is what ignites the miracle. Are you with me? Your act of obedience. What if the guy would have said, I'm not going to the pool? And he's got his eyes closed. I'm not going to wash all this. I'm not going to look like an idiot and crawl all the way over there. What if the wedding in Cana of Galilee, when Mary came up to him and said, We need wine. And then he looks at the disciples and says, fill up the water pots with water. What if the disciples would have said, I don't think you heard her, she said wine. (laughs) She said wine, we're not doing it. Would the water have turned into wine if they refused to participate? Would the water have turned into wine if they were not obedient? One time Jesus showed up late to a funeral Lazarus was already dead he was already in the grave they already had this big huge stone rolled in front of the grave he shows up and he says roll the stone away what if they would have said no you're late you're late you were supposed to be here three days ago you're late No, we're not rolling the stone away. You roll the stone away. You're God. You can do anything. If we're supposed to have it, we're going to have it. Do you think that Lazarus would have come back to life if they would have refused their part in the miracle? One time Jesus showed up on the Sea of Galilee. He was in disguise. And the disciples had been fishing all night long and caught nothing. And he shouts out from the beach, hey guys, throw your nets on the right side of the boat. What if the disciples would have said, hey, mind your own business. We're the ones fishing. We're, we're the ones fishing here. We've been fishing since we were children. Mind your own business. Stay in your lane. Right? If they would have done that, then they would have never caught all the thousands of fish that they did catch when they were obedient and threw the nets on the other side. A couple weeks ago, I was in Alabama preaching at a church. And and while I was preaching, I had this thought, this, this this impression that the Lord wanted to heal someone who had a torn rotator cup. I had the impression, but I just kept on speaking. I kept on giving my message. I was not 100% sure that it was God. There was a part of me, I was like wrestling back and forth. Did God say that to me, or did I just think it? And so I'm going back and forth, and I, so I just finally said, hey... I think God spoke to me, but I'm not sure. So there's only one way to find out. Uh, Is there anyone here that has a torn rotator cuff? Because if you do, I believe the Lord told me he wants to heal you. Is there anyone here? And on the sixth row, this young lady, she looks about 30 years old. She started going. When she started waving her hand, my faith went through the roof it went through the roof. I thought, "Yes, my faith was so high." I said, "Come down here right now, right now, right now." The whole church was like, "What is about to happen?" So we prayed for for about 15 seconds. I just made sure we said Jesus, Jesus a whole bunch. And and then I said, well, go ahead and test it and let's see if Jesus healed you. This was like two weeks ago or a week ago. I can't remember what it was. I said, go ahead. and So she starts raising both hands real slow because she doesn't want to hurt herself. So she's raising it real slow. And all of a sudden her eyes start getting bigger. She raises them up both all the way up. She crosses her fingers like this and starts pulling it behind her head. And I'm thinking to myself, I would get a torn rotator cuff if I did that. So all of a sudden she puts her hands down she starts crying her head drops the presence of God was all over she was completely healed and now if that wasn't enough the faith in the room went through the ceiling there were healings and miracles are popping everywhere throughout the sanctuary now let me ask you a question would that young lady have gotten healed If while I was preaching, I said to myself, I don't think that's God. I'm going to stay on the safe side of the street. Would she have gotten healed? Would she have gotten healed if she did not go? (laughs) Would the others in the sanctuary have gotten healed if she didn't come down? Here's the principle acts of obedience ignites miracles. There's a a scripture in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 16, where it says that he has a new covenant with us, very different than the one that he had with people in the Old Testament. It says that he's written his laws on our mind, and he placed them in our hearts. So sometimes we will feel the Lord tell us Stop saying that. Don't wear that. Be quiet. Ask for forgiveness. Other times he'll say, stay quiet. And then another day he'll say, open your mouth. Say something. Do something. We have to respond to that because acts of obedience ignites miracles. Are you with me? Say yes. Yes absolutely. All right. So this is how the story ends. The gentleman comes up to the Pharisees. The Pharisees want to judge the legitimacy of the miracle. They said, who heals you? He says, he said, Jesus healed me. They said back, who is he? And he goes, I think he's a prophet. They said back to him. Well, we think he's a sinner. He says back to the Pharisees. He might be. This guy got healed and his faith level is lower than zero. The next time you think to yourself, God's not going to move in my life because I don't have enough faith. I want you to think of this guy. Here's something that's very fascinating. Sometimes God heals people with no faith. Sometimes he heals people with a lot of faith. But the common denominator between all miracles is the presence of Jesus was there. When you and I are in the presence of Jesus, anything can happen. When Isaiah was in the presence of Jesus in Isaiah chapter 6, it says this, And then I saw a seraphim, an angel, flying to me with a coal off the altar. He touched my lips with the coal, and he said, See now, all your guilt has been removed And your sins have been forgiven. And then he heard the Lord say, whom shall I send for us? Who will go to these people? And Isaiah said, send me, God. What happened in the presence of God? All of his sins were removed. All of his guilt was taken away. And the plan and purpose for his life had unfolded. When you and I are in his presence. When we stay focused on alignment. God unfolds our assignment. Do you receive that today? Come on put your hands together. Do you receive that today? I'll tell you. Um, there are moments and there are times. When we back up. And we're desperate for him. And because he doesn't give us the when and he doesn't give us the how, we faint and give up before we have received. In Galatians chapter 6 verse 9, he says this, Do not get tired in doing what is good. For at just the right time, you will reap a harvest If you do not give up, I want to tell somebody in the room, don't get tired in doing well. I know it's hard to do well over and over and over and over again, especially when the person that you're sharing life with doesn't seem to be doing the same thing. You're doing over and over. It's very tempting to tell that person, I'm doing all I know how to do, but you, I don't know what you're doing. And those of us who have said something similar to that in the past, no. We don't get a lot of fruit out of a statement like that. That doesn't make the person go, oh, I didn't realize that. I think I'm going to do a lot better starting right now. My bad. And all of a sudden become the sweetest, nicest person, gentleman person in the whole wide world. Statements like that really don't provoke kindness. It provokes anger. It's like, oh, you don't think I'm trying? Well, let me tell you what I don't think you're doing. And then down the rabbit hole you go. Are you with me? Say yes. And so when you're down that rabbit hole, I feel like I'm giving another sermon, but it's for somebody. Is this okay? Down the rabbit hole you go. And so the Bible says, don't get tired in doing well. Don't get tired of doing well. At just the right time, Ezekiel 36, 26, I will give that person a new heart and a new spirit. I will take out that heart of stone and replace it with a heart of flesh. Let me just tell you, everything I've said in the last two minutes was not planned, but it's for somebody in this room. It is hard to be faithful when no one else is. It is hard to be loving when you do not feel loved. It is hard. But know this, if you are getting your love from another source, you will not be resentful to the person that's not giving you what you need. If you are coming into a relationship needing that person to provide something for you, there is a 100% chance they are going to disappoint you because they are not capable of giving you what you need. They are made of flesh and blood. They are not capable. So you will live in a constant state of disappointment and frustration because that person can't get it together. You and I have got to get our affirmation from another source. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 26, he says, I will be your confidence. In other words, I'm going to step inside of you. And when you walk, you're walking with the power of God in you. And you will have confidence knowing that the power of God is within you. And then there's a shift where you begin to look at people that have not been providing for you. And instead of being angry towards them, you feel sympathetic towards them. Because you know that they're not able to give you what they don't have themselves. Most people who are not loving you well don't have love fulfilling them to begin with. Instead, they're full of insecurity. They're full of fear. They don't trust anyone person like that can't give you any love. They don't have it themselves. Their whole life is a facade. They're not that confident. So they can't give it to you. So what you and I have to do, what my wife has to do, what we all have to do, is saying, what I need, I'm not coming to you for. I'm not coming to this relationship needing anything. I'm coming to this relationship with something to offer. Do you see the difference? You have something to offer the relationship. And if all they are capable of doing is taking, like an umbilical cord shoved into you, feel sympathy for them. And back up and say, God, I need you to give them what you have given me. Are you with me? Do you receive that? Why don't you stand to your feet for me, please? I don't know where all that came from. Why don't you delete the first sermon and let's use that one? The title of my message is Living with People. I'd like our prayer partners to come down if they would. I know there's a lot of you uh, that don't attend our church. You're just visiting for whatever reason. And so there's to you, I know, I may never speak to you again. You may never look at this bald-headed Italian again because you have your own church. You have your own pastor. He's a good man. You go to a great church, a great family, or you're in from out of town, whatever the case may be. If I'm never going to speak to you again, If this is the last time, if this is the last time, and I got one thing to tell you, this is the last time. I want to tell you this. In Luke chapter 9, he brought the disciples together, chapter 9, verse 1, and he gave them power and authority to cast out all demons and to heal all diseases. Luke chapter 9. What chapter? Fast forward to Luke chapter 24, verse 49. He says, behold, I send to you the promise of the father. Go to Jerusalem and wait until you are endowed with power. Luke 9, he gave them power and authority. Luke 24, he says, go wait until the power comes upon you. There are too many of us who have stopped going for more. Because we have an address in heaven. We have a relationship with him we have stopped reaching for more and I'll tell you this as a pastor that category of people is the hardest category in the world to pastor if you give me a room full of people that don't have a relationship with God at all we're going places you give me a room full of people that have stopped reaching for more? It's hard work. Because you've had the address in heaven for years. I think this is a commercial. But stay hungry, my friends. <laughs> oh no, it's stay thirsty. Stay thirsty, my friends. What is that? Is that Ron Dansby over there? All right. I think I saw a friend of mine over there named Ron Dansby. What's your name with the gold shirt on with the jacket on? The glasses. Yeah. Yeah, you. The motorcycle guy. No, not. not. That was good, right? That was good. Do we know each other? No, we don't? All right. We do now, right? My name's Frankie. It's good to meet you, Chris. I don't know what you need today. I do not know what you need. Most of the healing miracles that happen in our church happen with our prayer partners. In the second service, I had this impression that God wanted to heal somebody that was losing their vision. They were afraid that they were losing their sight. I was nervous to give it because I thought, man, if that's not God, I'm going to look like an idiot. But I'd rather miss swinging than miss because I'm scared to swing, right? She comes down. She closes her eyes. I pray for her. She opens her eyes. And I'm like... And they fill up with water and tears start running down their cheeks another person I thought I think God wants to heal somebody with a, a, a right thumb you got pain in your right thumb this lady comes down I'm gonna guess maybe she was 50 she goes my right thumb hurts but my whole hand hurts I can't close my fingers I don't know if it's arthritis or what we prayed and Jesus was faithful closing her eyes open like this, like this. But there was one word of knowledge that I put out there that nobody raised their hand to, and I was surprised. I thought, man, I really thought that the person was here. Nobody raised their hand, and so I had to look at the church and say, eh, I guess they're not here. But now I'm thinking, maybe they weren't in the second service, maybe they were in the third service, or maybe I just missed it. And I don't bat a thousand, so maybe I did miss it. But I'm going to ask anyway, because it was really bothering me. Does anyone here have a sore on the inside of their right cheek? Maybe it's down low, and uh, maybe it's down low on your lip. Is anyone here? your need is, I want you to come out of your seat. Take the hand of a prayer partner. Let them pray for you. Let them pray for you. We see miracles every Sunday. Not every other Sunday. Every Sunday. I don't know if we saw miracles last Sunday. Almost every single Sunday. Including today. But if your heart is not right with God, that's more important than anything that we could ever pray about. I want to encourage you to come out of your seat. Take the hand of a prayer partner. Psalms 56.9. Every time you pray, the tide of the battle turns. Would you come out of your seat. Take the hand of somebody down here. Let me pray over you. Father, in the name of Jesus. May the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May his face shine down upon you. And be gracious to you. May his face be turned towards you. And give you peace.